Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Electric Entertainment. This is Chris and I'm coming at you on all feeds of whatever creative. Ryan and I, we are taking over for the Halloween season and we're just taking all feeds captured. So hello whatever podcast listeners and welcome to a Halloween episode of whatever podcast and Electric Entertainment. I'm your host Chris and with me as always is co-host host Ryan and we're, you know what it's the Halloween season we're all things horror movies we're the 70s 80s 90s entertainment podcast so you know what I thought what better way than just to take over all these feeds and bring you the latest from Electric Entertainment and none other than what we've been waiting for for the longest time we've talked a little bit about it on multiple episodes and we've just freshly watched the end of this franchise Here we are, we're talking all things Halloween from 1978 all the way until 2022 with Halloween Ends. Ryan, what is going on and welcome to Whatever Podcast and another episode of Electric Entertainment. How's it going? Uh, It's going good, yeah. All things spooky on this end. I've been watching quite a bit of horror-related films and really getting into this Halloween season. And, and I think this is really good topic to cover, definitely, talking about the entire franchise. Yeah, you know, it's been so long ago, but it seems like it was just yesterday. Um, I had a special guest on our episode for talking about the Halloween franchise, and it was kind of a special one early on in Electric Entertainment, and it was actually one of the co-hosts of whatever podcast. Preston came on and talked a little bit about just his remembrance of the Halloween franchise and how we would actually scare him uh, with some of these movies way back in the day. And my gosh, there has been just so much more to talk about, especially with the end of this latest trilogy with Halloween. So I thought, you know, it is a perfect time for us to just bring all of Halloween into one episode and talk about it from start to finish, really. So that's what we're going to do. We've we've got some really exciting things for you in store on the House of Horrors fall series. We've still got a lot of things going on with Electric Entertainment, but this is definitely going to be a big one. And one you need to look out for, and if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Check out all of our social media links as we always talk about. But we're going to do a commentary of the 1970s 78 original Halloween film. So that is that is still to come on the fall House of Horror series from Electric Entertainment. But we've got a lot to talk about right now, and we're going to start with that first one uh, with 1978. So let's let's start from the very beginnings, Ryan, and kind of lead us into what created this whole franchise as we know it, and really had a huge impact on the slasher films as we know it as well. Yeah, director. John Carpenter trying to make a splash and a name for himself and filmmaking and I mean I can't think of a better better way for him to do it and just the sheer amount of not just risk taking but he took kind of a huge just bold step in coming out with this film because yeah he didn't have uh, hardly no money whatsoever when he made this back in the late 70s and really if you think about it too it's like at that time he probably didn't think at all what he was about to create like because when you go out to make a movie like in his shoes you're you set out just to make it uh you're hoping that maybe some people watch it or it makes a little bit of money but 
but I don't think they put into terms what uh, they were embarking on and kind of what they created and started because it really was, I mean, there was a couple horror films that came before Halloween, but in, in this like slasher kind of subgenre. but Halloween, I mean, it, it really started at all. And it, I don't know it for them to, like I said, uh, for them to think about like what they were approaching and trying to put this film together. And it's like, like they, uh, they probably at that time had no idea what it was going to look like 40 years later or 45 years later no. i mean it's just, it's a national probably the the most successful horror franchise but it's like i mean it's synonymous with uh anything horror all things horror and i think i mean he he took a chance and it definitely i i think it helped it definitely launched his career but it, i think it helped set up the horror genre to what we see now here with just such a because i don't want to go too deep into this original because we're going to be doing a special commentary on it but i think halloween what it was able to do in the beginning early stages was set forth uh a lot of different and new filmmakers who came in and um took chances on different storytelling and because we see we see a lot of these horror films in a lot of these different genres we see just all kinds of different takes on on the horror story in this genre so i think halloween helped kind of kickstart that and help kind of fabricate it in a way that every now in today's modern age there's new horror films out every single week but halloween i think helped definitely i think fast track that yeah and it was it was um interesting and and we will talk we'll dive really deep into this film when we do our watch along commentary track but it was interesting that there hadn't been a film named this and it this one here actually almost wasn't named that anyways it was kind of like the babysitter slasher film that yeah. Carpenter set out to make on a really low budget and with a lot of young actors, except for um, one by the name of Donald Pleasance, which had, had done a lot of acting himself, but really, I think, brought the character to life through the psychologist that or psychiatrist that um, kind of had watched uh, young Michael from an early age for many years. And it was just, an, I think, a new way of filmmaking that um, John Carpenter brought to the horror film in that you kind of start this this movie and I always try to put myself in uh, the shoes of like an early film goer back into the theaters at the time and what they kind of experienced and witnessed for the first time on a big screen of, of kind of this uh, point of view from the killer at a very young age and the the way he used this new type of filmmaking with kind of the steady cam and the long shots that that he would do and actually making a lot of these shots without many cuts it was just very creative in how he did it but very eerie in the sense of it kind of gave you the viewer just um enough to really kind of play with your mind and think about some of the things that visually weren't there that were hinted around to and i think that is what drove the success of this very first Halloween movie. And speaking of, of kind of funding wise, one of the most successful Halloween films because of how low the budget was for the making of this movie and how remarkable of a job that John Carpenter and uh, Deborah Hill did with the limited amount of funding that they had back in 1978 to work with. Yeah, they definitely uh, kind of was a little bit ahead of their time with 
with having uh, really no backing, no um, no money, no funding, because we've seen that, especially in the these older films from uh, the '70s or the '60s. Or I mean, they really their only option was going the independent route. And I actually think with Carp with yeah Deborah Hill and Carpenter's approach in getting this film made, going that independent route, like I think uh, because they had to find kind of new, different, innovative ways in their filmmaking and making this film. So I actually think it, if it was made by a big studio and it had a ton of backing and mon- and a lot of money, it wouldn't have been as successful as it was being an independent film. Don't you think so? No, I totally agree. I I don't think we would have seen the success that we've seen. There would have been too many hands in it to kind of directed in a way that it necessarily shouldn't have been pushed. We've seen that, and we'll talk about that in in this franchise as well with other directors that have played a part and had kind of direction given to them by the big studios because of the investment that was made. I think John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, since it was an independent-driven, low-budget film, they could be as creative as they want, and I think that is what's shown in the film of that original and what drove the success to get another one started with Halloween two as a follow-up and a sequel a a couple years down the road. So 19 October 25th, was the release date of Halloween 1 in 1978 with the tremendous amount of success that they seen with Halloween, which at the box office, um, Halloween had a budget of $325,000. In the United States, that film has made $47 million. Uh, box office revenues for that film in the United States was $47,160,000. Tremendous success that they saw with that film. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and it just, uh, especially carpet what Carpenter had seen that, um, you know, getting um, all that success from that film that kind of uh, kind of afforded him several opportunities. And one of the biggest opportunities was uh, a sequel, was a follow-up. And honestly, I mean, we can debate this too, but I think he's kind of been honest and upfront about it. Carpenter really didn't want a sequel at all. Yeah. He 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 didn't. He didn't want. Well, he a felt follow-up. like he felt like the the story was told in the first one, right? But you have Malika Cod who helped fund and kickstart this and seen a lot of success with what Carpenter did and knew that another one had to be made. The the story had to continue on and it couldn't stop with that first one. Yeah, and we'd seen obviously, yeah, from a claim that had gotten the success that yeah, the follow up had to be had to be made with uh with this sequel halloween 2 and but i think what made it work though i mean obviously carpenter had a, a little hand in it but he actually didn't direct it at all but bringing back i think the star of uh that that our first original but really the star of the entire franchise in jamie lee curtis yeah i think yeah. it wouldn't have the sequel uh like because I think about this sometimes, like if, if they would have put out that sequel and Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in it, people would have crap all over it. Oh, Don't you think? Yeah, it wouldn't have. It definitely wouldn't have worked. The first one, like you said, directed by John Carpenter, screenwriters John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and producer Deborah Hill made it successful. And when they came back, they actually did get a different director for Halloween Two because, like you say, Carpenter felt like the story was done. However, yeah. they got Carpenter and Deborah Hill back involved. In Halloween 2, for the screenwriters, Rick Rosenthal was actually the director, 
and then Deborah Hill and John Carpenter were both producers in, in this film. But what made it work, like you say, was picking up that very night that Halloween 1 ended and starting with Part 2 and bringing all of those characters back in the mix. Uh, Donald Pleasance, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the character of Michael Myers, right? So you got Lori, you got Michael, and you got uh, the psychiatrist that is always yelling and, and carrying on about Michael, right? And, and it was a perfect... I think a perfect mix of characters within that film and and what people wanted to see more of and that's what they got in Halloween 2 and and really a lot of people look at Halloween 2 as as right up there with the first one some even think that Halloween 2 is a better made film uh, than the first one I, I don't tend to agree I think both of them uh, play well with one another in a perfect pair as the original and the sequel Halloween 2 coming in uh, with its release date October 30th of 1981 but I totally agree with what you say it wouldn't work if they had any change to any of these characters yeah it definitely the studio wouldn't have backed it unless Jamie Lee Curtis had signed on because yeah if and we see it we see it a lot especially now but we'd seen it back then too that a lot of studios, if they want a film made and put out there and say an original actor or actress can't sign on and there's some sort of disagreement or whatever, they'll recast them like that. But I think in this case, if they would have went that route and recasted the Laurie Strode character, it, yeah, it would have gotten, it had been criticized and it, it and it just, it, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah, she had to, she had to come back, which it did benefit the, the sequel. Um, and, you know, this, I don't, I don't know the specific numbers off the top of my head, but this follow-up, it was successful as well. It, it was, uh, yeah. yeah. They had a little bit higher of a budget. They had about two and a half million dollars to work with uh, for this one, part two. Now, it didn't make near the amount of money part one did. It's a, it's actual right. United States box office revenues are about twenty five and a half million dollars, but still successful t- ten times. Yeah. Uh, what the budget was is what it made. So definitely a success. And but I think well, I was going to say, and the reason that they pushed for an, yet another Halloween film to be made, but one of the most controversial Halloween films to follow part two. So anything left on part two to say before we kind of really take a, a turn and talk about the third Halloween installment? Yeah, just that you know that studio, even though even in like today's market numbers, like we would consider twenty. Five million, not to be a whole lot, but back in the day, uh, especially with Universal, that that was they considered that a yeah a success and a, a decent uh, profit at the box office. Yeah, for sure. And one we recently have done a. Uh, review on and it's one that both of us really appreciate and enjoy and I think one that's gained a cult following over the years but one that was definitely not appreciated and hated during its release time because they came uh, the following year October 22nd of 1982 and released a third Halloween movie Halloween 3 titled Season of the Witch and this film going against everything we just talked about as bringing all the legacy characters back did the total opposite and didn't bring any of the characters back including Michael Myers and people that went to this film were under the impression they were getting a Halloween 3 another Michael Myers film and did not get that whatsoever Uh, but over time I think people have really 
come to appreciate the, this film because it is a good film, but still, it's a, it's the only film in this franchise that does not include the legacy character of Michael Myers. Oh yeah, it was such a vast difference, such a way different story that was portrayed and told, you know, according to the Halloween franchise. Yeah, and that was their kind of uh, idea behind it, was putting out something different and new, because I think, yeah, eventually, because we touch on it a lot in an upcoming review episode we do on this, but their idea was to hopefully kind of kickstart this brand new like anthology series and this film was gonna be the first one in like a long line of kind of annually every year every two years that the studio universal specifically was gonna put out like these halloween films under that kind of halloween banner that it's a different story every year with different characters but they all kind of focus and center on the halloween season and yeah this one it was it was very very different to those first two Halloween films, but you know, I I really definitely enjoyed the just yeah how 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 different the the story was uh, yeah. dealing with these you know these Halloween masks and and it had a little bit of different genres in it with the sci-fi a little bit and then obviously the horror and there was you know kind of a little bit of comedy in it as well but but yeah the yeah leaving out that Michael Myers character definitely I, I think hurt it in the long run because when you look at what it made compared to the first two it was a big drop off yeah. like box office wise it had a pretty but, good budget to work with it ended up um, it had two and a half million dollars as a budget but like you say it definitely dropped off it, it, it still made money but not near like what the other two had made this one came in with a box office revenue in the United States at 14 and a half million yeah which is if you look at the previous and Halloween 2 making 25 I, yeah that I, I I think they can the studio considered that to be a massive drop off and so I think that's kind of why they kind of went back to the drawing board in in their decision because I think they went back and forth about well should we continue this possible um anthology series where they would release these because they i think they felt like that first one if it was <laughs> if, if that if it kind of failed that much that yeah. i don't think they wanted to take that big of a risk of possibly losing a lot of money on you know subsequent films in this anthology yeah. so they I think that's why they decided to go back to what drew them, drew them money in the first place in the the original uh, Halloween character. Yeah, and so Halloween 3 was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, screenwritten by Tommy Lee Wallace, but it still had Deborah Hill and John Carpenter involved as producers because, uh, like, again, this was kind of John Carpenter's thought to try to create this anthology, and I think one that is a great idea maybe not to be associated with the Halloween franchise but I think if it wasn't it would be a lost film to our history and I think because it's tagged as a Halloween movie it's kept alive and and a lot of people have appreciated the film that it is and and I think the anthology idea is a great idea especially after kind of the the final film that we all just witnessed uh, here in 2022 but we'll get to that here in a minute like you say, the 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 audience wanted Michael back, and that's what Malik Akkad seen too. He's like, if, if we're gonna revive another or bring back another film, we need to revive that character, and we need to have a return of Michael Myers, and that's what we've seen 
Six years later, in October of 1988, with Halloween 4, we've seen the return of Michael Myers. And this, at this point, that's when you see all those legacy kind of director involvement, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, none of them being involved. We have a new director, we have new screenwriters, and a new producer, uh, starting with, with Halloween 4. And... There was some success in that, that everybody knew that this legacy character was going to come back into this franchise, and I think there was some excitement around that, and I feel like watching it, too, it kind of gives you a real good kind of sense, especially with the opening. It just gives you a good kind of Midwest feel of that Halloween time frame, especially the one we're in now. Just It gives you, it hits on all those senses with it, so I think it was doing something right. This one actually had a a pretty big budget, twice the amount that we had seen of the previous two, um, and this one came with a budget of $5 million for Halloween 4. So I won't hit on the box office revenues yet, Ryan, but what are your thoughts on Halloween 4 with the return of Michael Myers? Yeah, it, I always found it interesting how, because uh, when you see the opening in Michael's return, it's like they <laughs> basically um, carry over from the ending of Halloween 2 because as we know in the ending of Halloween 2 Michael burns up in the hospital like burnt to a crisp you know burnt like you know barbecue (laughs) yeah and what's interesting is we open we were we open to this Halloween 4 return of Michael Myers film and like that's what I found interesting about it like we they completely just (laughs) ignored the fact that that we had a, a a third Halloween film season the witch and and but that makes sense because you know that film Halloween three has yeah. nothing to do with the Michael Myers saga. But I loved, yeah, especially in the opening, like we right from the get go, we we find out like like Michael is one tough sob. Like especially in um you know he's got especially all you know all the uh, all the band all them bandages wrapped you know wrapped around his head, mm-hmm. and um he's like like almost like superhuman strength. Like this is a because. We've seen Michael in the first two, but like yeah. in this one, he's like he's almost like he put his thumb right through the skull yeah. of the guy in the yeah. Like, and it was so disturbing, and like <laughs> it's such more. There was a more. It was on like a different like horror level, like than the first two. It it, it, it was one. That, it almost made Michael Myers, yeah, the supernatural kind of character that was unstoppable. Yeah, and except and, and, and the same fire to, to mention real quick, the same fire that he was burned up in kind of got Doctor Loomis as well. But you see him come back with just a little bit of scarring on his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I was glad to see him come back too because I, you know that not only was the Lori character and the Michael character very important in this saga and story, but yeah, the Michael's doctor, yeah, and. Uh, Dr. Loomis like I, I was glad to see that they were able to get Donald Pleasance back and but yeah going back to the, like Michael's look like I because I was really interested in um, you know what was his mask going to look like and are, are we going to have something that's going to be very similar to the original or are we going to kind of veer off a little bit like we do in the following sequels but I you know I'm back and forth on it but you know the mask that they made and created for part four you know it, it it, it was okay. It worked. Yeah, the other big thing was with our other legacy character in Lori. She did not come back. However, um, they they continue the story of Lori in that Lori's daughter, which was Danielle Harris, um, 
it kind of he's coming back to get her. So he's trying to kill off this bloodline of yeah. Lori in that it's her daughter that he's going after now because Lori's not part of this film. Yeah, in the Jamie character. And I'll tell you what, this was uh, kind of a neat turn in the saga and the story. It was, it was a cool idea to kind of have Michael go up against a kid, a child, because she has kind of these like um, almost she played on these a little bit like these psychic abilities, like she could sense things and she could sense like like not just fear, but she could almost she had this kind of weird cosmic connection to Michael yeah. a little bit and you've seen that throughout the film but um it was it was a neat because it, i think it made it it made it more uh like scarier because you know in the first two michael's going after uh, a young adult in the laurie strode character but in this one he's you know going full-blown going towards a child and yeah it made the story more um gripping and more kind of like edge of your seat like uh nerve-wracking but yeah and one thing too that i loved like they really played on the whole i i think they played more on the halloween season in this one it then in the in the preview in the first in the first two original because yeah. you know you you see the kids out you like you'd said the midwest it had this midwest look that fall feel that yeah um, that yeah, it definitely had a lot more help. than than the previous ones now the previous ones touched on it but i mean it was it was different in that like everything was green in the first couple yeah. that they did when they had some like spray painted leaves they'd put out to make it feel a little more like fall i think they really did a good job in this one to really give you that feel of fall time that you would witness during the season in the midwest yeah and i don't know i might be wrong but i think they're I think they were already intended to like the setup for the ending of this film. I think they were were, were they set up to to make a follow up to this. Like I think they already knew they were going to make a. I think they all felt like this was going to this is going to bring back the money. This is going to bring Michael back. Was going to make this one a success. And in a way, it kind of did. It, it was more successful than Halloween three, but it was still not as successful as those original two. The the box office revenues that were made in the United States for this one were about a little over 17 and a half million. So I think they ended it in a way that they could easily come back um, with another one. And I think when they seen that they had some success with it, I think they decided, yeah, we need to come back with another. And within a year, the next year, they came with part five, the revenge of Michael Myers. Cause in that part four, he was shot at the end. So, yeah. um, they witnessed him being shot. He falls in like this mine shaft area, like collapses that he falls in and then it ends. And then they come back part five, the revenge of Michael Myers. Um, and they use this hobo kind of healing Michael Myers over time. Michael kills the hobo, and then he goes back uh, on his killing spree in part five, and we see Danielle Harris being involved in this film too. But yeah, I think the whole time they they really felt like it was going to be successful and that they should end it in a way that he can come back from, and that's exactly what they did and actually had a couple cuts of the way he was coming back in part five. Uh, so this one actually had a similar budget of five million dollars but definitely didn't see the success that part four did um it's box office revenues for the united states were about 11 and a half million but what's but what's interesting here again with this film the ending sets up a the follow-up the sequel because i think they knew they were going to make 
even no matter what it did at the box office, I think they knew they were going to make a follow-up after the revenge of Michael Myers. Yeah. Because that's what it was setting up, that they broke Michael out of the jail cell. But the crazy thing was, we would not see another installment into this franchise until 1995. So another six years later after the revenge is when we get Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. And this one is definitely a... It's definitely a controversial one because there's two different cuts. There's a theatrical cut, and then there's a totally different cut with the producer's cut that they had made. This one was on a budget of $5 million, and it made actually a little bit more than Halloween 5, I think because of the anticipation for them. It had been a little bit longer since they had made a Halloween movie. I think people were excited to see it come back. Um, And this one with the curse of Michael Myers, it it grossed uh, in box office revenues in the United States right at about $15 million. But this is one where they have two extremely different cuts on it with the producer's cut and the the theatrical cut. Yeah, this one, The Curse of Michael Myers, it, it really delve into like such a very different side of this Michael Myers story and saga. Like It was like this whole... Um, it dealt with like the occult a little bit. It was very like an occult film. They he, It was such a different look in this... In, in curse where it's all gray yeah. and i did like his mask though his, his mask got it was more white it was more white than what it typically is so that's, he did that's have the look. crazy thing that they've done with the mask though they've changed it with every one of these they've they've had a different take on the mask of michael myers which is something that i i i like that they kind of went back with the original trilogy or with this new trilogy to the original to try to get the molds of it to try to match what that looked like. And and I didn't like how they steered away from the original look of the mask. I, I just think they got a little bit wild with it. And why does he have a different look of mask at every one of these movies is, is right. kind of crazy. One thing that I did like, I, I loved the continuity. So they carried the kind of the same story from part uh, four and part five because we meet in Curse, we meet a lot older. Yeah. Obviously, it's a different actress, but we meet an older Jamie Strode because she just and that opening scene's real weird and strange. Like I said, it's it's there. There's like this ritual ceremony going on, but it's Jamie's. It's Jamie because she just gave birth, right? She yeah. just had a daughter. So this is essentially Lori's. If you backtrack to the original, this is supposed to be Lori's granddaughter. I, and I, why I think a lot of people were like, "All right, where is this even going?" Um, because it it got like this crazy path of of these movies. Yeah, part four was all right. Five, all right. Where what are we doing here? This is kind of getting weird. And then Curse of Michael Myers gets to that point where it's like, all right, well, this has gone off the rails. So in 1998, we see 20 years later from the original. Um, kind of a, a going back to, all right, these movies are, are kind of way out there. We agree. Let's get one of our legacy characters back, Laurie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and let's just wipe these three films out. Let's, let's consider part one, 1978, part two, 1981, and let's do a Halloween 20 years later, Halloween H2O in 1998. 
And I, I think this is where they kind of got it right. They really pumped the money into this one with $17 million uh, as their budget. And I think they knew if they would bring Jamie Lee Curtis back and have kind of this this battle of Michael and Jamie Lee Curtis as Lori, then I think we'll be on to something and see some success with this. And I'll be honest, they they did it right. At a budget of $17 million, Halloween H2O, 20 years after the original in 1998, seen a box office revenue of $55 million in the United States. So topping the original from a revenue standpoint, but all, obviously a, a tremendous amount of more budget that they had to work with. But I think they were onto something with this by wiping out those three that didn't make any sense to the original story and just tying it back to those original two. I, I think they were spot on. It was a perfect time. Late 90s, uh, we had Scream. We had all of these late 90s slasher movies. And it fit right in with that, with these legacy characters. And I think I think they've seen a lot of success because of that. Yeah, H2O coming out in the late 90s, I think it revived the horror genre. Because we had seen that same year, uh, just a month or two later, we've seen the now infamous Psycho remake that came out that same year and then we had seen like yeah you'd said with the the scream franchise was like like really up and running it was in the middle of its like kind of heyday it, it was becoming a franchise of its own because we had seen the scream sequel come out like in the year later in 99 and then it had a couple films so i think at what h2o was able to do was I think to, it put horror back in the culture, so to speak. And it, in that one, when she came back for the follow-up to this, which we seen four years later in 2002, it was like she didn't want to be involved in that whole story. So right off the bat, when you see in Halloween Resurrection, she's killed off because she's in this insane asylum for um, the events that happened in H2O. And she's done with the story at that point. Yeah, it, it just well, turned in a weird turned, direction. Yeah, like they try to turn it into a reality show where, oh, hey, this is Big Brother, but we're all <laughs> we're all shacking up in the Michael Myers house. Let's see if we can st we can stay one whole night in here. I don't know. I, I think what hurt Resurrection was for me. I think why it fell flat was killing the Lori Show character right in the beginning. Like I, I'm just like you know I I because she's on the on the poster of the the of halloween resurrection so i felt like she was gonna be a part of it. like i thought i think that movie would have been better if her character was involved in it but but i just i didn't care for that story like yeah i didn't i didn't care for them yeah throwing a bunch of kids and spending the night in the michael myers home and turning it into like a broadcast like they i they were putting too much uh reality into it i don't know about you so i hate i hated the opening of resurrection but I love the ending of Resurrection when Michael's in the body bag, right? And then that one eye opens. I just, yeah. I love twist endings like that. Yeah, it's um, good. But then we seen for several years later, we, we didn't see anything happening with the franchise. And then a big player in the horror genre, the music entertainment business, Rob Zombie gets involved and fires up 
a remake of the original story of Halloween in 2007 with a budget of $15 million. And he kind of, and, and I was hinting around this a little bit originally with how involved the studio was in his creativity. Like we, we didn't see that with John Carpenter, but apparently that was the case with Halloween and Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie because the studio was so highly involved. This was a big budget film, uh, $15 million for Halloween in 2007, and it grossed in the box office revenues in the United States, $58 million. And he, with the success of that, had a follow-up in Halloween 2 in 2009, similar budget, $15 million, little less in the box office at $33 million. But he basically what he did was recreate the story of part one and part two, but part two going off the rails a bit um, with the story that he kind of put together for Halloween two and and kind of the inner workings of Michael Myers and what he do, why he does what he does, which kind of I think a lot of people like, but I still think a lot of people don't either because of how aggressive. The films were, but how how Michael was portrayed in in the movies as this humongous monster that you, he was kind of this silent slasher hiding in the dark, in the shadows in in those original movies, but in this one he was just vicious and vocal even uh, to the point where people was like, yeah, that just doesn't feel like a Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, they don't care too much. For- for these from zombie but i i do i I really liked his intentions and i really liked his look at these films and especially the the first one that he did in 07 the the remake of the original because i love his idea of like telling this whole background story on michael because a lot of the film in the 07 one focuses on michael myers as a child and yeah because about half that film is you see the michael myers character growing up in kind of these different situations and a lot of things that happened to him what made him become who he was so i i love that approach because we had never seen anything like that before it was yeah. almost like an, what i i i kind of crack i, I kind of view it as like an origin story for michael and because we had never seen that before so i i i loved that different aspect of it and i really do the i think the look it was more like you said, yeah, it was more kind of more vicious and more brutal. It, yeah, it was definitely a Michael that um, was not nothing like the Michael that we had seen in like the f- original first two. Yeah, this was more um, kind of in your face. And I think Zombie Rob Zombie approached that because I think that's how he approaches like his because he's very he's very creative. He's such a creative person, and I think that's how he approaches like his when he's making his music. And he's just more definitely hands on. And I think he he just wanted a different a, a different view, a different take on Michael. Even though yeah, a lot of people uh, don't care for it, but I'm kind of glad it exists because I think he did a really good job, and especially. Not just the original that he remade, but also his follow-up. Because I didn't think that would happen. I, I didn't. I really didn't think Rob Zombie would come back and do like a remake of like the sequel. Because that you never really see that. But uh, but yeah, I think he did for what it was, and what it was was just like a remake. Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it 
Uh oh. So. I think we were caught. Uh oh. What is this? Um. What? Who who approved this? Um. Sorry, guys. We were just chatting a little bit about Halloween. How did you get into the feed? I think I think you guys, uh, from what I heard, from what the demons have told me, you guys are in the bathroom and you said our name three times, and we just got caught up in traffic, but we're fine. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-oh. Hey, you know what? I, I hadn't heard a whatever podcast in so long. I was like, you know what, Ryan? We're just going to take over this whole platform, and we're going to... You guys keep going on vacations. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Believe it is in the dust. So we're, we were like, you know what, we're just going to talk Halloween, and uh, what better way since we've got this humongous franchise of 1978 all the way to 2022, what better way than to throw it out on all of our feeds, the Whatever Podcast, yes. Electric Entertainment, Halloween, and you, we were just chatting, chatting it up, but you guys just rudely busted in on us, so. You know what? Honestly, I'm disappointed, but hey, you know what? Here, we'll, we'll you know it. what? You you got in at the perfect timing because we were just finishing talking about Halloween one and Halloween two with Rob Zombie and getting into the new trilogy. So, Halloween 2018. What are you guys? What are your thoughts of the 2018 movie? And where we are today, we're going to talk about kills and Halloween in. So, Connor. Okay. Oh boy. Well, so I, I I think the the most important place to start, right? It's at the beginning, and I think that the OG Halloween, way way back in the day, you know, older than dirt Halloween, um, it it, it holds up very well. But it holds up because it's the original of a beloved franchise now. Um, I think the I like think... look and feel of the movie also just gets better with time. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think I think when they did Halloween 2018, they were like, "How do we start to work some serious storytelling into these movies?" And just make them better as a whole. Like I've heard, I've heard um, uh, the I, I think his first name is Michael Michael Bloom um, Bloomcamp talk about how he wanted to to like just revamp the Halloween franchise, but really kind of give it something special, some special work. And, and I think he did just that in the first one, especially. It, it's really interesting to see, like probably what would have been a realistic take on how Lori handled all of that happening throughout her life. So we talked, we just, we were just talking about Halloween one and two with Rob Zombie, which Rob Zombies was 2009. So we both agree. Ryan would, I'm sure say the same thing. The classic, all the 1978 is the Halloween film that everybody is trying to kind of capture the, the rawness, the feel, and the beauty that it had, which has not been able to be recreated. I think the closest thing was like Halloween 2, 1981, with still John Carpenter being involved. And I think we, when we've seen Rob Zombie's films, people had... There's kind of two sides of that camp. Brian and I were talking about 
some that, that love it, some that hate it, and just the difference that, that Michael Myers was. In 2018, this was something similar that we've seen in 1998. 98 brought us Halloween H2O, which brought back our legacy character of um, Jamie Lee Curtis as Lori. And what David Gordon Green did very well, I think, in 2018, here we are 40 years later, on a budget of $10 million, he brings all of that classic um, involvement back with getting John Carpenter involved, with getting Jamie Lee Curtis back involved as uh, one of the legacy characters to kind of tell the story as it ties back to that original and what they did with that $10 million budget was remarkable because people were hungry to see that tie back to the original again here 40 years later in 2018. And what we saw with the box office, United States uh, box office revenues, this was just unheard of. $160 million made on that $10 million budget with Blumhouse getting involved and recreating I think that feel and I don't know Ryan what are your thoughts with 2018 the do you feel like when we went and, and saw that because we've talked about it and um, I just feel like it, it created that sense of feel of that original 1978 but also a blend of that H2O and 98 with what we were hoping to see here in 2018 and just kind of combined all that together for the horror fans yeah 2018 it i think it definitely captured kind of what the original's intentions was and it was it was to just definitely um bring something fresh and um i think it and the audience uh going especially for 2018 i i think it um it helped not just revive it but uh like we had talked about earlier, it really put it back in the culture. Um, and that's, and we see it carry over in the, because who would have thought, who would have thought that Blumhouse would be able to put out three, not just one, but put out three back, back, yeah. back, uh, off that original independent film that came out 45 years ago. Preston, did 2018 scare you like 78 scared you back in the day? Well, I think you guys are going to be sorely disappointed. I've never seen any of the new ones. <laughs> I, I could have called that from a mile away. I, you, I, I, the minute you were going to be like, hey, Preston, you this movie? All right, He's Connor, let like, me move to you. What movie? What were you thinking? <laughs> what are you talking about? What were you thinking when 2018 uh, was announced and it was coming out? Uh, my honest raw opinion i was thinking god i hope this doesn't suck god i hope this doesn't suck i hope it doesn't suck i hope it doesn't suck i don't like rob zombies versions yeah um and, and I, I don't surprisingly the one that i uh i've seen that is most recent yeah i i just don't i don't know like i i feel like if you let him do his own thing rob zombie he'll come up with something great or just okay at best and that's all cool but he's got such a specific creative vision for all of his movies and we've even seen that with the monsters that <coughs> I, I don't know but you give someone who respects horror who probably was inspired by a lot of the same things that like 
you know, he probably thought when he was watching 78 for the first time, uh, Blumhouse, our Bloom Camp, I want, I want to do that. Like, I want to bring that back, or I want to do something like that. Uh, and to be quite honest, I'm surprised he hasn't brought back more. I'm surprised he's not going to do um, a Nightmare on Elm Street thing. I'm oh, I think there. I think it's there. Yeah, I think that. You I think, think Friday Thirteenth. He's working. Their Blumhouse is working on The Exorcist for 2023. So these are that huge, huge things that I think they see that they could have a big impact to. And I, like Ryan mentioned, That's... I was surprised with Blumhouse taking this on and being successful with it because i think they were hugely successful with what they put together but i think that they only intended to do the 2018 and i think had a satisfying end to that film but then when they seen how big of a success it was it was like you guys got to come back and do more there has to be a trilogy here that you guys have to work with so at that time i think they were scrambling to put that story together yeah my biggest takeaway Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Ryan. I can I'll, hold on to my thought. Well, my biggest takeaway with Blumhouse is I think they're wanting to um, – their vision for reviving and bringing back these franchises is just that they – because we, we see it with a lot of these franchises kind of towards the end that the the move the movies are terrible. They're so crappy. A, a lot, like we see a lot of the some of these sequels in – for example, Friday the 13th. They're just terrible films, but I think they're what they're wanting to do with these franchises is uh, not just tarnish the legacy, but leave them better than what they were. Their vision is to come in and I think fix whatever's been broken with these franchises and and walk away from it. And they definitely, I think they did it, even though I know me and my brothers went back and forth on <laughs> Halloween ends, but uh, I think they they had good intentions with Halloween and, and I think that paid off and now they're moving on to like you had mentioned the exorcist and then hopefully in the future Elm Elm street and Friday the 13th. But, but they're, yeah, their intentions are good. Uh, bringing back these franchises because these are great franchises that a lot of people feel like have died off years ago. And that's a shame. And because some of these films are really good. I mean, I know, a lot of them are terrible, but there's a few out there. And but these franchises, I mean, I, I, people absolutely. I mean, they live and die by these horror franchises. They absolutely love them. I mean, there's entire conventions dedicated uh, to this genre. So I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blumhouse is doing something special, and I can't wait to see what they do with that Exorcist franchise. I, I think it's so hey, interesting how on. like the perspective of horror has changed. Um, yeah, press go go ahead. You, you look like you, you haven't he's, seen these movies. He's I, I want to get every word in. <laughs> I I let Ryan go. Then it was my turn. <laughs> okay, all right. Gee, I didn't know we had sticks. Go ahead. Jeez. <laughs> all right, Preston. It's all you. Uh, well, no, I want to get in what I can because I have very limited knowledge here. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. I'll tell you what. How about, how about I bring him? Uh, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, what I was just gonna say is that that's like one like really awesome thing about uh, being a studio that uh, kind of masters the genre that they're working in, and being able to bring that to other franchise. I think that's like uh, just a it's like a good, it's a good strategy to have like a 
an expertise like team to do stuff like that yeah instead of just having like a director and then the director has like some people and it's like you know it's you have this one team and they can go like put their vision into different things without being like you know it can be consistent and from a team that actually loves what they're doing yeah uh connor did you see all three films in this trilogy 2018 kills and ends i actually believe it or not saw all of them on opening night nice so moving on to halloween kills it it, so they seen the success of that but then it's like all right we're gonna throw 20 million dollars to you now so you guys can uh work with that because of the success you guys had with 2018 can you and and it's hard to kind of think of what's going through those guys' mind, but how do you carry that story forward from 2018 when you've seen such a success and knowing yeah. probably where you're going to end up with it, it's like, all right, what do we need to do? Let's just throw Michael Myers at it and just let him kill everybody as, as fast as he can. Yeah, yeah. This, is where, this is where I start to get divided um, because, like, Everything in my movie making head tells me, Connor, they broke so many rules for the worst, but damn, those scenes were awesome. You know, like those, those were some great killing scenes. Yeah. Like, you could just feel like, the, yeah, like uh, get them, you know, but sometimes you just on need the other that. Hand, well, yeah, you do need that. But on the other hand, it's like, I I watched that for how long? <laughs> like then that, that was it. Like. It, it it almost made you. I liked it. I, I actually, I uh, I mean, like I said, this is where I start to get a little divided. I did like it. Yeah. But I feel like Halloween Kills makes you numb, and it's like there's a I mean, lot going on with it for sure. Oh but it was it was, and and this is where Ryan and I kind of have differing opinions a little bit because I liked it too. But it was almost just a holdover movie to get from 18 to ends. But ends is such a different story. But I didn't really paint the picture of, I think, what David Gordon Green was trying to do until all of these were finished. Because he, he I feel like he's recreated what the moviegoers of 1978 Halloween, 1981... Halloween 2 and with Halloween 3 in 1982 season of the witch with what he did in 2018, 2021 and 2022. And even with the opening credits, you see how each of those match part one, part two and part three. And it's like, I feel the exact same way probably as a moviegoer watching those original films back in those early years of the franchise. I, I almost feel, and Ryan, Ryan, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this, but I almost <laughs> feel like if you could have given this storyline to Christopher Nolan, he probably could have got the entire thing across in two and a half hours. So, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. True. And Ryan, before we jump to the ends part, uh, because Halloween Kills grossed $92 million. So it was, it was successful. Um, not as off the success of the opening weekend from the first movie too. Correct. Not as successful as 2018, um, but definitely more successful than what we've seen so far with ends. But go ahead, Ryan. But also, it, it was riding on the previous films too for that. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I was just gonna say with these new. Um, I'll throw this over to Connor with these new Halloween films. Like, do you think that, especially with 
uh, Blumhouse, like, do you think they just had to get creative with this story? Um, because you can't just go into this massive, well-known franchise and tell kind of a ordinary story. I, uh, I, I don't know. Did, did you did you agree with um, kind of the story that they that they tell, like, kind of the way they carried it through these three films from? Because it was kind of, they were they they were very different. All three films are very different. You're asking the hard questions. Um, <laughs> you're, you're asking the hard questions because I have like, I like, part of me is like, yes, I do like the overall story that they told. Yeah. Um, but would it have been just as successful if they told a regular story just like they did in Scream 5 that was incredibly <laughs> successful? Right. Highly rated? I I don't know. I think people are just going to watch whatever the hell they want to watch. Like, yeah. I think they're going to watch it, and I think they're either going to love it or they're either going to hate it. I think the the success of Screen 5 played off the fact that, like, hey, let, let's, like, not make it as obvious this time. Let's tell <laughs> the same story, but let's not make it as obvious this time. <laughs> All right, yeah. cool, yeah. How are we going to do that? Oh, okay, great, cool. Um, with Halloween, it's, like, I think we've been spoiled by, by A24. I think yeah. nowadays A24 is probably Blumhouse's biggest rival in movies. Yeah. And I know Preston has seen A24 movies. How you can literally peel apart like those movies like Onions and just keep reading into them and reading into yeah. them. And, and Preston, I was going to say this earlier, the perspective on horror movies has changed because back in the day you could be like, here's the thing from the sky and everyone's like, Oh my gosh. Oh. Um, and now it's like, here's the everyone's thing from the sky, but it was adopted and its parents. Yeah. Uh, hated it. There's this deep rooted like, story yeah. behind it's it. This, it's so deep. And like Preston and I, we have, there, there's this really vivid, like memory that I've got with him of whenever I bought, um, the DVD version of the 1990 version of it. Mm -hmm. And we watched that at his house where this is like, obviously the book is like very, very mm -hmm. deep and very, but like the movie is very like, Oh, there's a head in the fridge. Like, <laughs> like kiss yeah. me fat boy. Like, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> but then, then we went and we saw the witch. Oh yeah. And the whole time I'm like, Hey Preston, could you Google that Shakespearean thing he just said? I want to see. I want to know what it means. Like, it's just it's just so vastly different, and they're so they're so scary for different reasons. And that's like that's what's going on here. Like, you you had enough time in between movies um, with Halloween where the story could kind of develop, and yeah, eventually it got to this point where it was telling a story. But then you were in the you were in the eighties and the nineties where horror movie making kind of fell off and kind of came really corny and, and kind of cheesy. Yeah. Now I know that's like kind of a lot of the stuff you guys grew up with, but come on, no one wanted a second Blair Witch movie. We did. <laughs> the first one was fine. Like that's the kind of movie making I'm talking about, but now you bring it here where we've learned from our mistakes, like paranormal activity, where things just go on way too long. Mm -hmm. Saw where things just go on way too long. Yeah. You say, okay, let's break it up into ideally three movies can we tell the story in three movies? Insidious did it. They had spinoff movies, but three movies wrapped up that whole storyline pretty well. Yeah. Um, the Conjuring universe. One. The Conjuring was perfect. Um, Annabelle's doing the same thing. 
Uh, Ouija is doing the same thing. Uh, now you get to Halloween. Like, how do we take this story, this character that's so beloved, but obviously is attached to this very early form of horror movies where it's a lot of just jump scares and and gore and blood and and women and screaming how do we make this legit how do we make a john carpenter west craven slasher movie and make it a24 how do we turn this shit hereditary sorry think uh, hereditary yeah um and that's and i feel like they um they did a pretty good job but when I think of Halloween and I think of Michael Myers, I think of just like straight up knife blood, and no story. But Michael's well, out for I, something. Yeah, and I think a lot of what the original Halloween did well was us painting a lot of that picture in our mind, not necessarily seeing it on the screen too. I think there wasn't a lot of original like blood and slasher stuff. We painted that picture in our heads as we watched those originals. Now, yes, he oh, did. Yeah. He did. He did kill, and you've seen some of it on screen, but it was what le- uh, Carpenter left in our minds to think about while we're watching that movie that made it so scary. So Halloween ends. We don't see but just a few minutes of Michael Myers, and we don't see him until halfway through the movie. What are your – and Ryan and I have talked about this a little bit too, um, but I want to I get his thoughts here in a minute. But your thoughts, Connor, on Halloween ends with the limited amount of – Myers we've seen and how it ended and the question for all of us is where do we see the franchise going is it going to be revived again but before we get to there what did you think of Halloween ends and the minimal amount of Myers so Preston before it before before everyone gets into talking about the story uh just hearing you talk about that Chris it makes me think back to uh the original Halloween where you didn't see much of Michael Myers just because he was a looming threat and that was enough to scare you it just sounds like they were trying to bring kind of that back for the end of it maybe um, maybe maybe not could I didn't have. say it so I should, I should probably explain this, the overarching storyline or like I'm gonna give you the, the the spark notes version of the whole thing so Halloween 2018 Lori is like a shut-in right she's booby-trapped her whole house she is like uh, she is the Waco kid from Blazing Saddles like impeccable <laughs> aim decked out and, and yeah. like, like full she would survive a zombie apocalypse hardcore Michael, go figure, comes back, right? It wouldn't be a Halloween movie. He does. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> as he tends to do. As he tends to do. So they have this big showdown and, you know, all this, all this yep. kind of stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on to the second one. No, the um, end, here's the crazy thing. The end of the first one, so she builds this fort oh, sure. to where she can trap him and burn this house down, but builds a fireproof garage door bay down in the basement where she's going to trap him so that he can hide out and not be burned up by the fire. So in the basement is where she kept a lot of her firearms, right? Like that's like, it was like that whole closet area where she had her firearms. Um, So she had this like essentially this gun safe that are fireproof that Michael hid in as the house. That's convenient. It was convenient. A fire truck pulls up. It's really convenient. Michael's like, hey, fire truck, it's me. And they're like, oh, my God. And, you know, like the whole thing happened. And slays, like that. slays <laughs> the whole, yeah, up, basically, guys? with, he, he said it with uh, kind of a, a saw that you would cut cars open yeah. with. And he basically 
cuts every fire person that came to fight that fire. It kills them in one manner or another. The jaws of life became the jaws of death. Yeah. Um, so he goes on this absolute killing rampage in the second one. Um, there's there's not really a whole lot you need to know about the second one. And this is why I'm like torn because the second one is literally like pretty much him going on this big killing spree. But yep. this time the town's like, you know what? No. So Evil dies tonight. Town, the whole town gets together and they're just rioting. Like they they almost killed um just some random kid like they literally killed some random kid because they don't know what michael myers look like and I, and and so that's my first problem um by the way you're gonna tell me that you're gonna get this like hunchback kid who's like five eight and you're gonna think he's michael myers but what they were like the point is is like the town was like trying to like find someone to blame for like yeah. all the stuff going on well um, the town became so a character in that movie basically and that's oh, i think what yeah. they were trying to paint the picture of the town and the community that myers Halloween as was michael myers and in it, it creates this evil so to speak yeah it was like you know it was all like pitchforks and torches and mass hysteria that was like the big the main topic was like michael was causing all this like mass hysteria across the town and at the very end they i'm pretty sure they kill michael but like he got a second wind right like he got up and he's as like, he does well yeah yeah and this time he kills Lori's <laughs> daughter so and that's how it ends and you're like what the what like are you kidding me like yeah they literally like, i know when ryan and i talked about it 40 times light him on fire shoot him in the face cut his dick uh cut his tongue well, out like so, all kinds of stuff so here was the thing like ryan and i watched it and we did an episode on it it was like when when they had him beat down, that was the point to end that movie. That was the, the cliffhanger that you could have left Halloween Kills. And I don't know, Ryan, way in on this too. But it would have left a much more satisfying ending, I think, to Halloween Kills than actually seeing him come back, retaliate, and kill all these people. And then I get the point. He went back to kill Lori's daughter in that movie, which gave her what you would think the fuel to fight back but in ends it was weird she instead of fuel to fight back she went to baking pumpkin pies and writing memoir and doing all this weird stuff as opposed to really wanting to retaliate back against him and so here's where things get like here's where things get uh christopher nolany where like christopher nolan could have done this in two movies or a movie and a half um because like I've seen him tell this story, he told this story in the Dark Knight, where where a single person can cause mass hysteria across an entire city, mm-hmm. and and it just yeah with the Joker, it, yeah it gets so messed up. Yeah. And then you move to the final movie, right? So like one and two are um, consistent; they're they're continuous in storyline wise. But then you have a four year or four year gap. Is that right? It yeah, was a four-year so. gap in between two and three, uh, story-wise. And Laurie has stopped living in fear Yeah, and has moved on, despite the fact that Michael has done his biggest thing yet that has affected Laurie and got up after they essentially killed him, killed her daughter, and then just left? What? Just left? Strange. Like, why would she, why would she all of a sudden just be like, 
I don't care anymore. Like, I, I get that, like, she wanted to move on as a character, but that was not the time for her to do it. it. That was not the time for her to do it. And so we go through this whole third movie, and you, the whole, like, the first 25, 30 minutes of the movie, it could be less or amount. 40. Of time. 40 minutes before you see him. Well, yeah, 40 minutes before you see him, but they focus, like, in the first 10 to 15, 20 minutes, they focus on Corey. all these things that are happening in the time. Yeah, this new, this new kid named yeah. Corey, who was a part of this accident, pure accident, where a kid ended up dead, and he looked like the one to blame. He got off, but the town hated him because yeah. he was a murderer, right? And now the town hates murderers, like every town does. So they're trying to like blame this, blame this kid, and they pretty much uh, cast him out, and he becomes, he goes from this regular kid to this like pretty messed up kid in, in the time span of like four years. And this whole, the whole half of the movie focuses on him and how he and Lori's granddaughter, who had been through all this Michael trauma as well, have bonded together because both people are, are kind of counted as outcasts because of all these things they've went through. Like they feel like bad juju kind of follows him, right? Was it, yeah. is it, was that, is that a good way to put that? Oh yeah. Yep. And so they, they bond, right? They bond. But in in typical Stephen King fashion, the the boy Corey, he gets mugged by high schoolers. Number one, he's like in his mid twenties, late twenties. I would destroy high schoolers are high schoolers hey, are pretty rough. Hey, man, this was the band band group too that was this harassing. Was the band group. That's the most <laughs> hey, unrealistic part. I mean, <laughs> a kid a kid playing a clarinet. Yeah. clarinet does not drive a convertible. No. Or drink, yeah. Maybe he go does. buy us, go buy us some beer. So they beat up on him, yeah, and and they like, I don't know. It's a weird weaved story, and one that I struggle with with his kind of battle of Michael and how Michael looks in his eyes and sees this, just this oh, yeah. evil love amongst him, and he's like, hey, oh, that's a bro. That he's he's killing people in Haddonfield, so I'm gonna let him so live. I I feel like if you wanted to make Corey the murderer, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, so wait, Preston, they mug him and they throw him off a bridge and he's like beneath this bridge and this homeless dude who's just been feeding Michael grabs him and drags him into the sewer where Michael's been hiding. Michael doesn't touch him for a full night, right? He's just laying in the sewer. He wakes up. And he's leaving, and that's when Michael decides, hey, come here, I'm going to choke you real quick. They look into each other's eyes, and Michael releases him. Yeah. And it's like the evil was, like, transferred through there. But that's not even the most messed up part. The most messed up part is when they finally come back, and he's like, show me how you do it. Show me how you kill. Michael, like, kills him, and then he, like, like, like yeah, grows he... six feet taller. Like, it was like... The ch- like I know what they wanted to do in that movie, and the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm starting. This sounds to wild. Again. So, so Corey gets his mask, and he's the one that basically does all the killing in the movie, up until the end when we see the face off between Michael and Lori. Now, here's my question, because this didn't last very long, five to seven minutes or so, and it was like, all right, it's over. She she kills him with the help of her granddaughter. Um, and they basically say, well, he's not dead enough yet, and basically throw him into this metal compactor and just totally rips his body apart. How do we come back from this? Because we know that we come back from this, but how? We don't. I don't think. <laughs> we 
because I've heard Blumhouse they have said as a collective studio that they don't want to do anymore. All right, so I'm going to ask you this. And Ryan, we've talked about this. Do you feel, because we were talking about Halloween 3 earlier too, before you rudely uh, barged in on our great conversation on the Whatever podcast. Um, Part 3, the anthology, the original without Michael Myers in it at all. I've also heard Blumhouse kind of tease around the idea of regenerating the idea that John Carpenter had of trying to come out with a Halloween movie every year, not based or wrapped around Michael Myers, but as an anthology of a story that is carried on with the Halloween name associated to it. I also, Ryan, uh, did you see that video I sent you with the Shamrock logo in the Michael Myers mask? Like at the end of the Halloween Ends movie, they show the mask laying on Lori's table, and then it kind of cuts to the credits. Uh, somebody cut together a video, and it had like the silver Shamrock inside the mask of Michael Myers, which could hint to another story or hint to the silver Shamrock story like we've seen in part three with the season of the witch. What were your thoughts, Ryan, on that video? Oh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool tribute for Blumhouse to do that. Because I think the the director, that David Gordon Green, he's always um, he's always had an appreciation, obviously, for... I, I think he, he, he really wanted to do these films. Because it's kind of... A, that's a rare thing for the same director to, to direct all three films back-to-back-to-back, usually... Yeah you see a different name attached to every different film. But I think he wanted to go in, um, uh, into this franchise with, um, uh, to kind of, yeah, just kind of pay homage to those first three. He actually said in an interview, which what would have been interesting, uh, um, I was going to mention this to you, but he'd said in an interview that he was toying with the idea of, one of the last shots or last scenes in Halloween ends was they were going to cut to the silver shamrock factory and they were going to show those classic three masks being made. But then you were going to start seeing Michael Myers mask being made on the assembly line. But he, I think he said he felt that would have been too much fan yeah. service. So he just decided on doing the tribute with the opening credits that matched yeah. the, in the witch film. Well, they did like Connor. Did you catch uh, the first one and kills they had those three masks from the original part three movie in it that was pretty cool yep yeah um i i didn't i didn't see that until after the fact yeah i watched a youtube video where they're like here's everything you missed in uh xyz movie welcome to watch mobile yeah there you go (laughs) yeah welcome to watch mojo and here's the top 10 easter eggs you missed in the halloween franchise cool i'm in let's do it Preston, how so, many how many Halloween movies have you seen? I've seen Halloween one, two, H two O, um, the Rob Zombie franchise. You didn't watch Buster uh, Rhymes? No. Resurrection. Nope. Well, actually, uh, maybe I think I catched it before, but I don't remember anything of it. So, yeah, I think that's about it. Okay, that's quite that's a few. That's actually that's actually yeah that's. Actually, quite a few, dude. I'm I'm pretty surprised you've even seen half of those. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I was kind of forced me, to. <laughs> it took me a while to watch them. Um, like my my family, Ryan, not Chris, 
my my family they weren't into slashers or anything. They were like, "Hey, here's The Exorcist. Hey, here's Rosemary's Baby. Oh hey, yeah, there you the go. Poltergeist. Yeah. Here's the real deal, scary stuff. Yeah. Here's things that you can't run from. I'm like, oh great. Yeah. yeah nice. Uh, hey, I I wanted to ask you three real quick. Uh, a, this kind of veers off a little bit from Halloween, but I wanted to ask you three a uh, question about um, horror just in general. So it used uh, to be a Halloween episode. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, so last night, uh, me and my wife, we went to Haunted House in Bloomington. And, you know, we, we get there and it's uh, it's a haunted house like in this big barn. But what I found so fascinating was while we were, because it was busy, you know, there was a long line. We, we were in line for like an hour or something. But wow. um, I'll get to the point where it was. It was terrifying uh, to uh. the point where my wife about threw up but what i wanted to get to was when we were standing outside in line you know they had people like what connor brought up it they had they had a guy out there dressed as pennywise they had a guy dressed up as jason a guy dressed up as michael but i wanted to ask you got three like what is it that especially we associate these characters with you know being scared and being terrorized in the horror, but like, what is it about these characters um, that do like as we're younger that just like creep us out? Like, what what is it? Is it their look? Is it their uh, is it their presence? Is it the way they talk, or is it their intentions? Like, because if you think about it, there's a lot of things out there in life that do scare us. Whether it's like going to a cemetery or being um, being something somewhere where we associate being scared but when it comes to these horror icons like what is it about them that really does like scare us i'm curious to preston's answer first so uh so as a as your resident uh i took a psychology class once (laughs) um i don't know i think it really stems from the fact of uh, it's not so much the character, but whenever you first watch these movies, you are getting a sense of like what they're about and like the situations are scaring you and what could happen to you. You see yourself within that person that's getting victimized, and yeah. then you associate those things with the character, and that character becomes the essence of what you're scared of. So later on, whenever you see that character you associate that character with the things that they did and what made them scary to you yeah exactly yeah and i think it depends on the age and also things can just be scary but also the association to the thing right what that thing associates to can scare you so uh connor's right we have been on vacation quite a bit both preston and i um i was down in florida a couple weeks ago and we did the house or the uh universal studios horror night and was able to go through the michael myers haunted house always a pleasure going through those those are some of the most well done those were good um i you know i i just think it is the unknown terror that could happen and not necessarily associated to a character so to speak um, because I think the most scary things that can happen are not even character driven. It's it's just like Connor was saying, his family showing Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. It's what can happen Science. to you and the yeah. evils that can have an effect on you. 
And I think what makes it scarier, scary with characters is that evil has taken over that being and has basically no limits on what their capabilities are to terrorize others. I went and watched uh, the Terrifier 2 movie, Art the Clown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is one of... I'm surprised it actually was able to make it into theaters because of how how gruesome and gory it is. But it's like so sinister and so uh, evil that this clown character is. Like you associate clowns to being... Uh, something that's know, happy as creepy. as as a kid. <laughs> and clowns and then, have always been creepy, <laughs> but it can make something so uh, so happy into something so evil and demonic, and that's what we see with some of these characters. I think it's the evil that lurks inside, and a lot of times it's the evil that we think of within us that could happen to us by either spirits or beings or uh, characters that we watch in films, like we do in these horror flicks. I, I, for me, I think it's like probably a mix. So I would say when I was younger, what scared me probably intentions, right? So coincidentally, all the movies that I watched had kids in them. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> what were, what were Pennywise's intentions? Eat you. Eat the kids. To scare yeah. shit out. Yeah, to, to scare and eat the kids. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. Owner's like, I don't want to get eaten by a demonic clown. Dreams of kids. Yeah. Uh, signs. I I I was a little boy who had asthma in a scary basement. And <laughs> that basement that, was scary, like, though. Those are those are like three of the boxes of signs. Yeah. And and I we live in Indiana. And there are cornfields everywhere. Oh yeah, children in the corn. So, a lot of places to be like, buried out there, Connor. So it's so like that's like where it's like an intention. Right, so like Pennywise, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then there's the other half where it's like the whole thing is just genuinely creepy, like the setting, the unknown factor, and then but then I think about like two, three recent scary movies that I've seen: Halloween, Smile, and oh, Barbarian. Yeah. Halloween did not scare me at all. No, I don't think those will ever scare me again. Slash yeah. movies like that, I I love them. I th- I think they're great. Yeah. They don't scare me. Barbarian was the the horror of the unknown and never knowing what was going to happen in the movie. Because like you're in the dark for the first hour and a half. You have no idea what's going on. Hmm. But then when you figure it out and things are happening, you're like, okay, this is less scary, right? It, so it wasn't like a terror thing. Barbarian played off the fact that this is being scary because you don't know what's going on. Smile? Wow. That movie was <laughs> I haven't watched terrifying. it. I would like it to is, see it. It is absolutely horrifying. It is so, so, so So good. there are people I going to like baseball it. games and other, like their <laughs> marketing of this yeah. was like to put people in places where they would just sit for hours and smile at the camera. <laughs> smile was... I hope they were paid um, well. They, I'm sure they were. I think I think the top horror movie of the year. Okay, I have to watch it. Going to go to Smile or Barbarian. Interesting, for sure. So Ryan, what was so scary about this haunted house? I'm intrigued now. Yeah, I, I am oh, to, to the point of puking. My, my this guy God. touched well, his butt. Well, I, I'm gonna. So I'll tell you right now. So yeah, it was like I don't know. It was way out, and it was called the the Barn of Terror, and it was like way past like Butler and Oliver Winery. So you know, we're driving. 10, 15 minutes off 37, but 
I, I know it's got a but I know it has to be a good haunted house when they have people out there parking people. Yeah, that's how busy it was. So I pull in there and they're like directing me where to park. I'm like, oh man, this is this is the real deal. So These people have money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, we got up there because it, 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 like in the past I've been to a lot of haunted houses, but I've never been to one where there was like we'd walk up and there was like, you know, 70 people standing in line. I'm like, this is a long line for crazy house, but they like, like groups go in obviously like individually. So like me and my wife went in just by ourselves, but uh, yeah, we waited. Yeah. About an hour, but um, it lasted about six, seven minutes, but it was, yeah, it, I mean, definitely scared the crap out of her and it it was pretty scary for me as well. Could they touch right, you like, in this one? I, I was I was fine. <laughs> so one part of it, probably what scared me the most, we we walked through a section where they had an old television, an old little TV, like turned on on this table, and it was it had the static, you know, like like it yeah. had like a video in it, but nothing was playing, and just out of nowhere, we we have we got Rick rolled. <laughs> well, someone just out of nowhere. I don't know where they came from because they they must have came out through a wall or something, but. They came up right on us, and he was breathing on my neck. I'm like, "Where in the world did you come from?" But I, yeah, they did a they did a pretty good job. Yeah, it was uh, it was well worth it. That's I'd like to work at a haunted house one yeah, day. I, I kind of want to like too. be like a character. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to get punched in the face. Though. <laughs> I, I, I've been to like quite a few haunted houses over over the years, and I, I I don't really get too scared at them because I'm like, this is more often than not it's a little cringy like yeah, like women you don't want to bring me like, to a haunted house they're they're like standing in black cloaks and little pointy hats and they've got a talk <laughs> and they're going oh yes bring me the little children and i'm like this obviously wasn't made for me but then like but then like you go to the other one and this is where like things get real and this dude comes barreling out of the woods in like a like a messed up hillbilly outfit with a chainsaw <laughs> and the chainsaw's running and you can smell the gas and you're like yeah. i should have been running five minutes ago <laughs> so and then you're like oh my god like, i can't go anywhere like i there's yeah it's like two different there's two different two different things i so yeah that haunted house where it's so like yeah suspense yeah that haunted house last night that was the classic ending so we made it to the end and when we turned around the corner, yeah, there was a dude there waiting with a real live chainsaw, and he chased us, yeah, all the way to the parking lot to our car. So, <laughs> so it, it was a good. Uh, it hey, was a good were, end. were you running faster than Maria? Is that why she puked? You just let her get, just take off. I'm out of here. Hey, girls, <laughs> have her. It's funny. The guy, the guy comes out. All right, guys, have a nice night. Yeah. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> Drive safe. Oh, yeah. here's one more thing too. Uh, what? Tells you it's legit. They had Porta John sitting out there too. Waiting. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah. He might be it, careful yeah. in those. <laughs> there might be someone hiding in them. If you yeah, need these, yeah. if you didn't already someone, crap your pants. If someone's breathing on you <laughs> yeah. while you're in there, then you've got a problem. Uh, oh, well, man. it's that time. Spooky season is on us. That's good. It is. Oh, it's, it's gone off spooky. Quick. I feel like I haven't done done a whole lot of. I say this and then I look back. I'm like, oh wow, I really have. I feel like I haven't done a whole lot of Halloween-y things, but then oh, I've, Chris. Seen a, I've seen a horror movie every week. Every Not week. so scary Halloween. Yeah, Did you like it? Disney World. It was fun. It's yeah, fun. It's it bu- was fun. It was busy. It's cute. It's busy. Did you end up going on the Haunted Mansion, Preston? Yes. yes. That was yeah. fun. Are you saying yep. that just because you don't want me to yell at you? 
No, no, no. We did. <laughs> we made it a point. <laughs> talk about talk about uh, like good classic feel good scary. Yeah, it was yep. fun. Yeah, we had a good time. Oh. That, although that ghost hasn't left yet. He's really annoying. He watches me <laughs> <in> my poop. <laughs> they're, so they're adding a new ghost to the Haunted Mansion. Um, the Hatbox Ghost, which if you guys don't know, is a very famous animatronic from uh, Disney's California Adventure, uh, Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Um, he, his head will disappear and will appear in a hatbox below. Hmm. So it like, yeah. So they're going nice. to put that in our Haunted Mansion, which is... Road, awesome. uh, I, I don't like the bride. Yeah, did you ride Pirates? They had some live yep. actors in there this time, too. Did they have, did yeah, they have uh, Barbosa or Johnny Depp in there? Not Johnny Depp, but, you know, Jack Sparrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we've, we've seen both. Barbosa, we've seen at the very end. Yeah. And the Jack Sparrow's walking around the line. Oh, I love them. It's love fun. Them. They're great. It's a good time. I tell you what, you guys really need to go watch Smile. I know. I, yeah, I, I, I Ryan, have you seen it yet? Uh, no, but I, I, yeah, I plan on. Uh, trying to check it out because I've heard uh, a lot of good things about it. They actually say it's yeah. I should come up to Bloomington. We'll watch it together. Probably one of the best horror films of like the last decade. So yeah, yeah it's very innovative. So it, I'm really wanting to check it out. It's not a twenty four, is it? Is it an a twenty four? I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Um, but they're involved in almost everything now. They are. Hey, wait, why you guys? It's oh. starting to become a bigger studio. Yeah. It's just a Paramount movie. Oh, okay. It's a Paramount, say, yeah. Chris, while they look that up, I'm going to be making my Halloween debut again at your house this year. Connor, are you coming to my Halloween party? I he, have he can't. A, I have a gig. To it's a maybe. This Cancel that um, gig. I wish I could, but Cancel it's it. wedding. <laughs> Chris, hey, I, even, I even got a costume. To be fair, I'm going to be using it for other things but tell them not to get married yeah tell them to postpone their happiness for like a couple days jeez we have a night of halloween parties going on yeah so tell me about this costume i seen your picture yes what uh, is it i don't know it it's he's a character from uh a uh, anime i watch called demon slayer but um i've been wanting to get a cosplay outfit to go to some anime conventions and like gaming Gotcha. conventions but yeah oh yeah i got a nice one i decided mm. to get a, uh, ryan's yeah. got his already too yep and yeah. i also got this really nice uh recreation of his uh yeah. katana okay nice. that's cool yeah, me yeah my, i can't wait yeah, yeah you order <laughs> yeah, me... <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah me and my wife will be there in our annual uh couples costume so we're looking forward to it awesome what is can is this a surprise can i get a hint uh no it's not a surprise i'll tell you we're going as icons from the 60s yeah my wife's going as marilyn monroe and ooh, that'll be fun and i'm going as my uh the singer from my all-time favorite band from the doors i'm going as jim morrison so how are you gonna pull off the jim morrison look well, you know, I already have long hair and a beard, so that's pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> but a couple boxes checked. But actually, I no, actually, um, uh, I'm. It's sad to say, I ha- actually I trimmed my beard up today. I, you know, because I was rocking a very long beard. And oh my gosh, look how scary that is! <laughs> that's a really good mask. Where'd you get? It's that? a really good mask. 
That is wild. Oh, oh, was that from that trick or treat company? Oh, that's funny. Chris, you gotta put the skin under the. Yeah, make it look real. And put on a hat. My uncle, he would throw like the like the best haunted house in all Bloomfield for trick or treaters. Yeah, it'd always be like super terrifying. We would have like Michael Myers hiding in a bush with a chainsaw. Like we would have a ton of stuff. We'd have people hiding across the street. You'd come up and scare people. Like it was like it was really 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 intense. There was a point in time where my my uncle had projectors synced up on the house to make it look like a monster house. Um, bro, that's uh, that's not Michael Myers. That's that's. Oh my God! Is that the uh, is that the CEO that, of Abercrombie and Fitch? Is that, is that Fifty Cent? <laughs> Oh, like, 50 cent was it looks like he's it looks like he doesn't have any hair like it's just like, yeah <laughs> fine drop bars all right michael here we go <laughs> so this this one year at my uncle's haunted house uh it was like the last scary one he did because he's like kind of reverting back he's like going to like doing like fun 60s stuff um he would always have like this big projector in front of his house who would, that would like play like silent hill on uh, on a big screen and just scary movies and clips um but the last scary one he did i had contacts that whited out my eyes and so um i i, I remember I those kind of like, kind of like <laughs> oh yeah hold on sorry i just got something in my eyes you can go grab some candy in there uh go check it for it and then my eyes would be like all white and kids would be like oh, like like kids would literally like start crying and they would leave. <laughs> like I I even um I even wore them to school one time and I was like oh uh, uh my eye really hurts can I go to the bathroom and wash it out and they would like freak out so. But now yeah. he's doing like he's he's doing like. Chris, I didn't know you had a mask of yourself. That's right. Fifties fifties horror movies and stuff like that I... and uh, he's turned into more of a fun Halloween house. That is yeah. really scary, actually. Like that's a really <laughs> quality. Oh, speaking, of, I asked uh, him what they modeled his teeth by, and they said Preston Stone. Yeah, I, I've been doing work for a little while. That was before I had my uh, braces. Oh, okay. <laughs> now this is Trick or Treat Studios. I sold off my uh, previous mold. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, you got the it's fun. Chompers. Man, you're gonna miss out, uh, Connor. I wish you could make it. Hey, Ryan. Guess what? Yeah. Me and Chris are gonna have uh, movies playing on a projector outside. Oh, are you? Preston's got nope. the hookup for it, so we're still cool. Yeah. How how late do you guys usually go? Oh, late. Late. It'll be late. Yep. How late? All night. All late. Late. Whenever uh, everyone leaves. Yeah. <laughs> well, my wedding, my like the earliest my weddings usually get done are like nine thirty, ten o'clock. Uh, well, then you can make it. Make it. All right. If I do, we'll have an outside. Hey, at that Duggar. point, at that point, we'll be watching a good, scary movie outside. At that point, so you want to make I, it? I usually, I usually. Uh, so if I do, if I do come, I don't know if I will because these weddings sometimes they go a little long. But I'm probably just gonna rock my my costume from last year. And rock I, it. I, 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 did I tell you my? I I forget, you no, I forget. What was it again? You sent me a so, picture, but I forget what it was. I got this, like, pretty much some, like, renaissance clothes. I got, like, a big cloak, like a big brown <laughs> cape, and I got, a, like, a, a white shirt that, like, kind of was, like, kind of flowy and open, 
and then I got some brown, uh, just some brown, like not joggers, but yeah, brown looked like sack pants from. I ran around poopy pants. Yeah, yeah, brown shitty pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just they were just like I don't know. They were I don't know how to explain it. They were just brown, old looking Renaissance style. I look like a peasant. But I put it together, tan shirt, big brown cloak, brown pants, um, brown stain in the back of the pants, uh, chain around my neck with a golden ring, and I ran around barefoot as Frodo. And my buddy came in the same outfit as Sam, and, we, and there are these, there are these, there are these pictures that we've got on these disposable cameras of uh, Frodo, Frodo and Sam just venturing awesome. out. And That's we're, hilarious. We're, we're like we're like two of the most like probably lazier people at the party, so we were like always just eating or drink. like we're typical hobbits. That's good. I like it. it. Was, uh, have you guys? I'm not gonna plug it. I'm not. I'm not gonna make you watch it. But if you're on, if you're on like two or ten, um, please keep an eye out for my Halloween commercial. Uh oh. Let's see it. I did, yeah. Is, Austin Marlowe in it? I, he I, is. Oh. Yeah. He is. I have not I seen it yet. Black and white. And I did yeah. like, all the old like titles and everything. You yeah. have to look it up. I is it YouTube? Watch it. On YouTube? I can send I can you the link it. for it. Okay. Um, we don't, obviously we don't have to watch it on this, on this show. Hey, it's, it's awesome. a Halloween episode. Let's yeah, but see I, I want to, I want to plug my company. <laughs> you do you on every it, other though. episode. <laughs> you made it. I, yeah, I yeah, Connor, you're putting it on both podcasts now. <laughs> what? That's, hey, that's Electric Entertainment so. will be sending the bill to uh, hey. Abe Roof, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, what is? It? I don't Abra- even honest Lincoln Abe, old, honest Abe, Abe, whatever it is. Don't say the real names. Just... Yeah. <laughs> so, how'd you get Austin? Did you just tell him you're doing it, or did you have to talk uh, him into it? Austin or? works we, there. Uh, we share an office oh. now. He Connor works says there? you're in this. Yeah. You don't have a choice. Huh. You've paid to um, do this. I, I told him, I said, hey, man, you'll be in a commercial. I was like, yeah, what am I going to have to do? I'm like, uh, you're going to be Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said, you're not going to have to work for the whole day except for to stand in front of a camera. He's like, all right, sold. So that's how I did <laughs> to it. That's fine. I, so I where'd mean, you see it, Ryan, on Facebook? I'm, I'm gonna play it. Yeah, I think his, uh, I don't know. It, one of his relations posts might have been maybe his sister or his mom or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, someone gotcha. Shared it. I hadn't watched it yet, but I am. I'm, I plan on watching it. Connor's getting ready to pull it up right now. All right, okay. I'm gonna post the link. Oh, you want me to share it? Yeah, I just play it. Let's play it. What is it? A minute and a half or so? Minute? Uh, Thirty seconds. Thirty second spot. Throw it up. All right. Let's. We'll get that sponsorship one day. Does Frankenstein <laughs> meet the Lincoln? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's pretty close. Hey, there is a movie Lincoln. Uh, it's, except it's vampire. Vampire Hunter. Yeah, no zombie. Or that's yeah, a good movie. Lincoln <laughs> Vampire Killer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you got to hit the stream. Hang on, Brian, you got it. Yeah, I got it. All right, can you? That see is, it? Yeah, it's cool. There black we go. And white. All right. Black and white. Let's do it. Let me make sure I'm, I'm all the way up on the quality here. All right, ready? Yep. Is that fake rain? Oh yeah. Here at Honest Abe Roofing, there's only one thing spookier than Halloween. A leaky roof. (laughs) We're even working with a few happy haunts to put a new roof on their haunted mansion. (laughs) You don't want to turn into this guy over here. Call Honest Abe Roofing and protect yourself from all things that go drip in the night. 
That's hilarious. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, man. Nice one, that's awesome. So I had a lot of fun with that because, uh, you know, it was just... I had huh. to go back and I took a work day and watched, like, old 50s horror trailers and, like, a bunch of old scary movies and... Yeah. To figure, I actually hand animated titles to make them look shaky, which is actually <laughs> pressing the exact thing they did in the Joker. Um, yeah. But they they did it the real way. I did it the mm -hmm. fake way. But <laughs> yeah. I I did that to get like the shakiness of the old titles. I even went as far as to whenever they would be like coming soon, like at the very end. Yeah. Actually, just show still photos of the movie of clips from the movie and i went as far as to just choose a couple clips and and do that whole thing and oh, it was a lot of fun that, that looks that, cool that, i like that it that one has been by far my my favorite one preston yeah i'm jealous of the shirt dark Wing duck yep it's a good shirt it's the only thing i bought well actually no i i bought i bought some keychains and pins because i do every time but this is the only like merch i got nice. this thing was so cool i freaked out when i saw it i like it <laughs> All right. Well. I even said there's like a dude looking at us like I can't believe they have Darkwing Duck stuff. <laughs> He's like, all right, so we're all back. So it's been fun crashing the whatever podcast. Appreciate you guys. It's been, it's been crashing fun electric crashing entertainment. Electric crashing entertainment. back in. Yeah. yeah, it's been fun. I know we started off as an electric episode and then it turned into a whatever episode. Well, it's yeah. only gonna turn into a whatever episode if I say. Uh, oh, you got to close us out. You got to close us out. <laughs> Um, also, I don't know if you guys can tell, I'm working on a new microphone. Looks good. Um, I like it. Looks sounds really good. good. Thank you. I hope it sounds wonderful. So beautiful. It's so good to be back. It was so nice visiting. It's so nice having you visit. Vice versa. I don't know. It's so fun collaborating. It was. A, it was a great time. Um, peace out and piss off. <laughs> We're out of here. Thanks peace. for watching Electric oh, Entertainment. Catch you guys.